section six of the rover volume one number six this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the rover volume one number six edited by seba smith and lawrence labrie section six the yankee ball a tale of the american revolution holmes hole is a harbour well known to all navigators of the coast of new england during the year seventeen eighty one while the hopes and fears of the american patriots were alternating a half-dozen british frigates were lying snug in the holmes hole harbour time hung heavily on the hands of the officers on board these vessels and they availed themselves of every opportunity of breaking in upon its tedium the project of a ball on shore was got up and the hearts of the british officers bounded merrily at the prospect of the pleasure in store for them the yankee girls although not remarkably disposed to smile on a british uniform were nevertheless not averse to indulging in a little flirtation with those who wore the red coats ladies wore the bump of flirtation on their heads the world over and it is therefore not to be wondered that the girls in the neighbourhood of holmes hole were willing to have a few hours of gratification at the expense of the enemies of their country to bring the lion hearts of these officers to terms of capitulation was an object not to be resisted and accordingly these damsels arrayed themselves in their bright smiles and repaired to the festive hall at the time appointed brilliantly shone everything on that evening the officers were there forgetful of the errand of butchery on which they were come to the country and intent only on winning honeyed looks and love-lit smiles from the breathing forms around them the dance went on and as fair and sylph-like forms wreathed through the mazes the proud britons forgot their sweethearts at home and yielded up their devotions to the fair strangers before them swiftly flew the winged hours away and the solemn chime of midnight swelled on the air before the sounds of music ceased and the party separated with the promise of many such meetings in future it was too late to return to the ships that night and the gallant officers after discoursing on the comparative merits of the beauties by whom they had been entranced drank a toast to woman's smile and prepared to retire for the night pleasant dreams charmed their slumbers fairy forms flitted around their pillows away their spirits bounded over the wide expanse of waters between them and their distant homes and there revelled in half-awakened scenes of former bliss and sleep to them was a repose and a blessing no thought no suspicion had they of coming evil but busy with the past all forgetful were they of the power of the future to bring a saddening change over their hearts and they slept away with the smiles of tranquillity playing upon their sealed features but all were not asleep that night there were others counting on future gains and glories whose wakeful enterprise banished slumber from their 
eyelids and filled their hearts with those high sensations which deeds of chivalrous daring always foster to these it is now our duty to turn the vineyard sound is about five miles over while the dance was in progress on the one shore preparations of another kind were in progress on the opposite one the tidings of the ball were spread throughout the vicinity and eighteen brave fellows agreed to make that night replete with gloomy as well as brilliant recollections to the british officers the moon was in her last quarter and as she sunk below the horizon and her girdling light vanished from the heavens a company of resolute fellows descended the bank and made to the water's edge a couple of boats were soon unmoored and launched on the unsteady element filled with as gallant crews as ever started on an eventful enterprise every spirit swelled high as they cleared the foam of the breakers and the crafts beneath them rowed gracefully over the gentle billows now my hearties said a voice from the bows of the large boat the first thing that i have to ask of you is that you obey orders ay ay captain responded the others then boys draw your pistols and prepare for a shot every fellow that owned a pistol that is a canteen or flask drew it forth and uncorked it all hands ready then my hearties twig this toast success to the vineyarders and a bad night's rest to the redcoats the toast was duly honoured and every fellow took down his canteen and replaced it in his pocket now this is my first order no word is to be spoken louder than a whisper between this and the other shore the success you have just drank to depends on silence ay ay muttered all hands the oars were muffled to prevent a splash in the water and onward the boats went silently their heads were pointed directly towards the tavern where the ball had been and each fellow mused on the scenes which would transpire on their arrival i'll be shot if i call keep still joe said a youth by the name of sam darrell to his next neighbour in a whisper i can't help thinking that that chiefest of witches sally renham is at that party well what harm if she is none that i know of returned sam only i don't like the thought of that fair hand being touched by an arm that wears a red coat the girl sam is a fair one and she is as true as she is fair her heart never harboured love for a tory you see it runs in all female flesh to like to win a heart if it be but to see with what kind of grace its owner will yield it up truer words were never spoken joe but why the devil a girl when she's got one heart safe can't be satisfied with it is something that i don't understand i guess there's more than that in female human nature that you don't understand sam woman has a great many kinds that are perfect mysteries to me but as to being uneasy about miss renham's hand it is sheer nonsense her eye can blink kindly on his majesty's epaulets but it dwells sam on the plain rigging of a lad that we both know pretty well who's that why yourself sam heavens what blind fools love makes of you fellows all you have got to do is to capture the biggest officer in the gang to-night and that act i tell you won't fail to take captive the fancy 
of the lady she's fond of doing like things herself give us your hand joe and i promise you that if the taking of the proudest officer at daggett's to-night will please sally she shall be pleased i'll swear the prisoner shall be mine luck to you sam and thus their colloquy ended it was full two o'clock as our party hauled their keels on the strand a few whispers passed round and then they mounted the bank and struck directly for old daggett's as they drew nigh they separated and in a minute a complete line was drawn around the house to prevent escape if any should be attempted a part of the force returned to the house and soon presented themselves at the door of the room in which their destined victims lay dreaming of anything rather than a capture the door turned out on its hinges and the loud voice of the leader of the invaders commanded the sleepers to surrender the room was soon a scene of confusion the britons were at first disposed to make resistance but seeing no way to escape and knowing that their good treatment depended on their submissiveness they surrendered with as much grace as was desirable out of their beds they were forced ten as sleepy-looking fellows as one would wish to see one of them corpulent red-faced and larger than his companions grumbled as he rose but a hand was placed on his shoulder with an order to be as still and as brisk as possible and he submitted i've got him joe said our lover sam to his friend who assisting a reluctant leg to force itself through a pair of inexpressibles well hang on to him ay that i will like death to a grim beggar then turning to his prisoner he added come my dear sir i don't want to be officious but let me assist you in adjusting your wardrobe while you are gartering that stocking i'll garter your neck with this cravat take that darned you for your impudence said the officer at the same time levelling a blow with his clenched fist which sam parried tenderly tenderly my dear fellow said sam but if you want the use of your peepers by the time daylight comes you will be sparing of your fists who and what are you asked the officer looking grumly up in sam's face my name is sam darrell at your service which being interpreted means sam daredevil and i will promise you a touch of my nature and friendship too before we separate you are a devilish obliging fellow thank you sir it runs into the darrell family to be obliging can i be of any use to you in putting on your coat for i shall be under the disagreeable necessity of marching you off right away what is this silly thing good for said sam at the same time pulling the epaulets from the officer's shoulder it's only fit for a child's plaything and he put his foot on the toy the briton's face grew very red but he had to keep quiet as sam assured him that as he was going a long journey it would only be an encumbrance to his shoulders and he had done what he had from the kindest intentions to the door sam led his prisoner and meeting his friend joe at it desired him to say if he had not captured the biggest game joe deliberately glanced his eye about the officer's sturdy dimensions and replied affirmatively when they had reached the outside of the house a short parley ensued in which it was determined the enemy should be hurried by a forced march off to boston one officer who could neither be persuaded nor forced to put on his regimentals upstairs and who had been brought down for the purpose of seeing what effect the chill air 
would have upon him swore he would die before he would move a foot one of the captors who had him in tow now applied a switch to his bare feet and he moved them with much briskness to the delight of the joyous americans and the evident chagrin of the officers the poor fellow at the earnest entreaties of his friends after being dragged a few yards very reluctantly yielded up his resolutions drew on his pantaloons the whole party soon got under way and made good haste to their boats and over the bay again many were the jokes which circulated among the merry fellows at the expense of their prisoners who although in the midst of a superior force could not altogether resist the spirit of insubordination the prisoners were got safe into quarters by daylight and after breakfast were ordered to prepare for an overland journey to boston where they arrived in safety and were deposited for safekeeping under the protection of john hancock they were soon exchanged and lived to relate in their far homes to their anxious friends all the scenes which transpired between the ballroom and boston the corpulent one not forgetting to make affectionate mention of sam darrell who be it known was shortly after married to miss sally renham and lived to tell to his grandchildren the story of that night End of section six